Thank you very much, Jake. Very good to be here this morning. Is this all working? We're good. Excellent. So delighted to be in, uh, in Leamington. I, uh, this is actually my first time as conference pastor to be in the Leamington worship service, so that's, uh, that's something I was really looking forward to. Um, I have been here before, though, many years ago with the SPC Corral. Uh, I remember us presenting a program here. That's uh, when I was a much younger, younger person. Um, and it's really exciting to uh, see, welcome, see you welcoming uh, Joe and Jessica to your congregation, welcoming them back, I guess. And today we're going to be doing the ordination service in the second service. Jake was telling me to be careful, you don't ordain him in the first service. We want to... <laughs> We want to wait till the second one, uh, but uh, we will we will uh, prepare for that here already today. The the passage that I want to open up for you um, has to do with calling, and I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter one, and that's where we're going to be taking some uh, some of God's word from Ezekiel's chapter one to three. I want to show you how God called Ezekiel to be a prophet. And as you read this, you're going to realize that most of us don't have the kind of calling that Ezekiel had. Um, But all of us are called. In that sense, we're exactly like Ezekiel. We are called to be disciples of Jesus wherever that leads us. And we can learn from Ezekiel what it means to be called by God to be a disciple of Jesus. So I'm going to read some snippets, and you're just going to have to follow me in your in your Bibles there. First of all, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1, we read, In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the river Chabar, the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. Now that's important. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth, fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, the word of the Lord came to the priest Ezekiel, son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar. Now that's important. And the hand of the Lord was on him there. And as I looked, a stormy wind came out of the north, a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing continually. And in the middle of the fire, something like a gleaming ember. Now we're going to drop down to the end of chapter 1, verse 28. Chapter 1, verse 28. Like the bow in a cloud on a rainy day, such was the appearance of splendor all around. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard someone speaking. He said to me, O mortal, stand up on your feet, and I will speak with you. And when he spoke, a spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. Now that's important. And I heard him speaking to me. He said to me, mortal, I am sending you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day. Now drop down to chapter 2, verse 8. But you, mortal, hear what I have to say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give to you. That's important. I looked, and a hand was stretched out to me, and a written scroll was on it. 
He spread it before me. It had writing on the front and on the back, and written on it were words of lamentation and mourning and woe. He said to me, O mortal, eat what is offered to you. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me this scroll to eat. He said to me, mortal, eat this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and in my mouth it was as sweet as honey. Now drop down to chapter 3, verse 16. The Spirit lifted me up and bore me away. I went in bitterness, in the heat of my spirit, the hand of the Lord being strong upon me. I came to the exiles at Tel Aviv who lived by the river Chabar, and I sat there among them stunned for seven days. Let's pray. Gracious God, as you inspired Ezekiel to write down these words, we ask now that you would inspire us to think about what it means for us to be called like Ezekiel, for us to be called like your son Jesus was called, for us to be called like your disciples were called. In Jesus' name, amen. So now I want to ask you a question. What does God want from you? What does God finally want from you? Each of us finally only have one calling. God has called you to leave your nets. God has called you to leave everything and follow Jesus. Wherever Jesus is going, that's where you're going to go. This piece that we have read here from Ezekiel has got to be one of the most spectacular call stories in the Bible. Most spectacular. And we may think, wow, you know, if that happened to me, then my calling would be a whole lot clearer. If only I had that kind of blazing, psychedelic encounter with God, so terrifying that all Ezekiel could do was just lie on the ground and quiver like jello. You know, if I had that kind of calling, well, then, yeah, then, I, then it would be clear. Then I would follow God. I would follow Jesus wherever he would lead. But I want to point out here four different ways in which Ezekiel's experience holds true for your calling as a disciple of Jesus as well. Ezekiel's really blazing, exciting experience is a kind of exploded view picture of what Jesus does when he calls you and me to be his disciple. He does that with a lot less smoke and lights, in our case usually, but he still calls us. The first thing is that Ezekiel, this all begins when Ezekiel sees the glory of God. This is, this is the entirety of chapter 1. Ezekiel sees a storm coming. And in this storm, he sees four living creatures, each of them with four different faces. And these creatures are moving back and forth on these great massive wheels. This way and that, they move back and forth on these wheels by the Spirit, by the wind of God, which shows us that God can go wherever God wants to go. And these creatures, these four living creatures, are holding high a platform. It's like a dome, shining like crystal. And on this dome that they're holding up is an exalted throne. 
It says this, the appearance of this throne was like sapphire. But the amazing thing is the one who is seated on the throne. The amazing thing is the one who is seated on the throne. It says it's the son of Adam, the one in human form. God in human form is seated on this throne. And he's surrounded by fire, splendor all around this throne. Ezekiel tells us what this whole vision in chapter 1 means in, in verse 28. He says, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And so the first thing that happens to Ezekiel as he is being called is that he sees with his own eyes, he sees the power, the beauty, the radiance, the sovereignty, the glory of Yahweh, the Lord of Israel. Ezekiel is captured by the glory of the Lord. He is taken by the glory of the Lord. And I want to suggest that this is what always happens to us when God calls us. We see first the glory of the Lord. God does not call you with a guilt trip. God does not call you by handing you a to-do list. God does not call you by showing you that He is going to fulfill all of your greatest dreams. God calls you by giving you a glimpse of the glory of God. And this is something that we see repeatedly in the Scriptures. Whenever somebody sees the glory of the Lord, they get off the couch and they start walking. The glory of the Lord appeared to Moses when he was tending the sheep in the wilderness. And he gets up and he leads Israel out of Egypt. The glory of the Lord appeared to the people of Israel in the wilderness, in that pillar of fire that they saw before him. And they got up and they started walking to the promised land. The glory of the Lord appeared to Isaiah in Isaiah 6. And he cried out, here am I, send me. Jesus sees the glory of the Lord in his own baptism as this dove descends on him and the voice speaks of this beloved son. And Jesus immediately is driven out into the wilderness to prepare for ministry. Saul sees the glory of the Lord on the way to Damascus and he is told, get on your feet, I am sending you to the Gentiles. We are called when we see the glory of the Lord. And so you are not called by staring down at your belly button. You are not called by finally feeling guilty enough to go. You are called when you are taken, when you are captured, enraptured by a vision of the glory of God. Now, where do we see the glory of God? I think the most blazing window through which the glory of God shines into our lives is through the face of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says, that Jesus is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says that all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same degree from one degree of glory to another. And so here is kind of the basic rule of calling. We chase what we find beautiful. We chase what we find glorious. We pursue it. And so what is it that you find beautiful? What is it that you find attractive? What is it that captivates you? Whatever it is that you find captivating, whatever it is that you find beautiful, and that's what you will be pursuing. If you are chasing money and family and security in your life, this means that money is calling you. 
This means that family is calling you. A disciple of Jesus is somebody who finds Jesus more beautiful and captivating than anything else in the world. If we look at Jesus and are captured by the beauty of his life, if we look at his birth, if we look at his baptism, his teachings, his healings, the way he cast out demons, if we look at the way he was crucified, if we can't turn our eyes away as he is nailed to the cross, if we keep watch with him while he is being buried, if we're, if we're, if we're captivated by the, the glorious resurrection of Jesus on Sunday morning, if we are captured, if we are enraptured by the glory of God in the face of Jesus, then we will be drawn to be disciples. And so it's not about guilt. It's about finding Jesus beautiful. So the first aspect of Ezekiel's call is that he sees the glory of God in human form. The second aspect that I want to show you is where Ezekiel was. Where is this call happening? In chapter 1, we see that this vision is not happening in Jerusalem. It's not happening at the temple. It's not happening in Israel. It's not happening in the promised land at all. This is a vision of glory opening up by the river Chabar with the exiles in Babylon. That's pagan country. It's a godless place. It's full of idols. Israel is in exile. Israel is far from their spiritual home. Ezekiel is going to be a prophet where God seems far away. Ezekiel will be a prophet where God seems irrelevant. The Israelites, as they are in Babylon, in exile, they have this feeling that, that the time of God, it's, it's past. The time of God is past. That age when God spoke to Moses, that age when David was the everlasting king of Jerusalem, the age of Elijah and Elisha, that, all of that stuff, that all seems a thousand miles away a thousand years ago. That's how the, that's how the Israelites felt in Babylon. But now, Right here in this pagan, apparently God-forsaken place, the glory of the Lord appears here. This is an invasion. This call of Ezekiel is set against the backdrop of the glory of the Lord invading a godless, forsaken place, a pagan and dark country. And I would suggest that all of our calling to be disciples happens in the middle of an invasion. God is pressing into the world. God is invading this dark empire that we live in that is called the world. And you are being called to stand with God as God moves into this dark place. And God is insisting that, no, I am going to shine in Babylon. I will shine in Canada. I will shine in Leamington. Not only is Ezekiel being called into this dark empire of Babylon, but you can see as we read here that it's the very Israel, it's the very people of Israel who are going to offer some of the most vicious resistance against Ezekiel. God says over and over in these chapters, like he says in chapter 2, verse 3, I am sending you to the people of Israel to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day, and that, that is just driven home to Ezekiel. This is going to be a hard calling. Well, this is all finally too much for Ezekiel. When we come to the end of this vision in chapter 1, verse 20, 28, he says, And when I saw it, I fell on my face. In this whole 
this whole story of calling, we are shown how traumatic and how difficult this calling is for Ezekiel. It's like, it's like God is taking him apart. God is first pulling Ezekiel apart. He is disassembling him before he sends him out. The glory of God shining in this pagan place has so overwhelmed him that Ezekiel can do nothing besides just lie on the ground. And so on the one hand, you have a vision of the glory of God invading occupied territory. This sort of presses in from him on him on one side. But on the other side, you see the resistance that he is going to face from the people of Babylon and from the people of Israel. And so the prophet is standing there on his own two feet, caught between the pressure of the glory of God on one side and the resistance of the world on another time, on the, on the other side. Sometimes that resistance will come to us as well. When we see the glory of God, we will face that pressure, but then on the other side, we will face the pressure of the world. And sometimes that, pe- that, that resistance comes from people around us, but in my experience, that resistance comes more often from my own flesh. And I think we all face this dilemma. This is the suffering that each of us is going to face as we follow Jesus. We stand, as, as disciples, we stand in a place of pressure between the glory of the Lord on one side and our flesh and the world on the other side that's kicking back against that. And sometimes we would rather do just what Ezekiel did and lie on the ground and just quiver in fear. And so Ezekiel is first shown the glory of God on one side. Second, he is shown how hard this is going to be. But then thirdly and fourthly, Ezekiel is given the resources to be a prophet. Thirdly, having shown Ezekiel all this, God says to Ezekiel in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. And when he spoke to me, a spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. When God calls you to be a disciple, he doesn't just stand before you as his glorious Lord. He doesn't just warn you about how hard this is all going to be. God fills you with your, with his Holy Spirit. God fills you with his very presence. God fills you with himself. And so now we live not to ourselves. Now we live with the breath of the Holy Spirit within us. And that is going to be the way in which Ezekiel progresses through his entire career. That's that. And so first of all, you have the Holy Spirit. And then fourthly, now that Ezekiel has the Spirit of God in him, God gives Ezekiel food. In chapter 2, verse 8, God says to him, open your mouth and eat what I am about to give you. Now what is Ezekiel going to eat? He says, I looked and a hand was stretched out to me and a written scroll was in the hand. He spread it before me. It had writing on the front and the back and written on it were words of lamentation, mourning and woe. He said to me, O mortal, eat what is offered to you. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. He said to me, mortal, eat this scroll that I give you and fill your your stomach with it. Then I ate it and in my mouth it was as sweet as honey. Now what does it mean for somebody to eat this scroll? Why is Ezekiel being given this, this rather bizarre object lesson? And does this teach us anything about what it means to be called by God? I think this is talking about eating the Word of God. God has given us the Scriptures where God Himself speaks to us. And as we glimpse the glory of God, as we realize how dark the world 
is that we are called to serve. As the Spirit of God fills our lungs, we are given the food that we need from the Scriptures. And so Ezekiel is called to eat the Word of God. We eat the Bible. We devour it. We consume it. We memorize it. We learn it. We contemplate it. We meditate on it. We are challenged by it day by day. We chew it, and we chew it, and we chew it, and we chew it, and we are fed by it. And then in 3 verse 4, after eating the scroll, the voice says to Ezekiel, mortal, go and speak. Go and speak to the house of Israel. Speak my very words to them. Speak my very words to them. And so if we are going to stand on our feet in that pressure zone between the invading glory of God and the hard-hearted, callous word world, the Word of God, the Bible, actually needs to come and sit in our bones. The wisdom of the Bible must become our words. The wisdom of the Bible must become kind of almost the natural way in which we think. Somehow my whole body needs to be filled with the words of God. These, these words of the Bible have to flow in my mind, flow in my heart, flow in my veins. They have to breathe in my lungs. These words in the Bible have to become my very own thoughts so that the wisdom of God, the, the prophetic urgency of God, the beauty of God, the power of God, the love of God, all of this just comes pouring out of me whenever I speak. God's glory becomes me when I read the Scriptures, and it becomes part of the way I think. Can you imagine your life coming to the point where it is so saturated, so almost marinated in the Bible, that whenever you just speak, whenever you just say whatever you feel like, you speak the words and the wisdom of God. When the, most, the easiest and the most natural thing for you to say is the wisdom of God. Can you imagine having soaked up the Bible so deeply that it just becomes the most natural thing for you to speak the wisdom and the words and the insight and the love of God? That is what Ezekiel is being called to take in, and that is how we become disciples as well. Well, this was all very troubling for Ezekiel. And I think it will be troubling for us too. How will this glory that he has seen, how is this going to come and live in his flesh? At the end of the passage that we read today in, in 3 verse 14, it says, Then the Spirit lifted me up and bore me away. I went in bitterness of heat in my spirit, the hand of the Lord being strong upon me. And that is where we are going to leave Ezekiel today. Ezekiel is, is kind of in the hour of decision. He's in turmoil. Ezekiel at this point has not quite surrendered, but he knows he's going to need to. The hand of the Lord is strong upon him. There's nothing automatic or easy about this. For many of us, this is going to be a lifelong struggle to understand the call of God on our lives. We struggle every day to see the glory of God. Because often it seems kind of veiled and hidden in this world. We struggle every day to believe that we are living in Babylon. Because so often this world seems so comfortable and so nice and, and so friendly to us. We struggle every day to eat this scroll. To believe that our life here in Babylon depends upon us having the Bible in our stomach. But Jesus is calling you, just like he called Ezekiel, 
Jesus is asking you today, can I have your life? Can I have your life? Would you, would you consent to being taken? To being filled with my Holy Spirit? Would you consent to have your whole body and mind and spirit filled with the Scriptures? Would you consent to see the, the, the glory of God, even if other people don't see it? Would you consent to stand in a place where there's incredible resistance and kickback, if not from other people, then from your own flesh? Would you allow yourself to be taken? Could God have your life? This is how Joe and Jessica are surrendering their lives today. This is how Tina is surrendering her life today. But it's also the way all of us are called to surrender our lives today, to be taken by the glory of God. Have we been taken? Let's pray. Gracious God, we have seen this incredible call that you gave to Ezekiel. It seems, it seems bizarre. It seems dramatic. It seems overwhelming for him. Often our own call is more of a whisper in our spirit. It's the word on a page in front of us. It's the preacher speaking in the front, or it's our friend giving us advice. Lord, this is the way the call comes to us. But it's the same call, Lord. It's the same call. It's the same glory of the Lord that we need to see. It's the same understanding of the world. It's the same words, the Bible, the scriptures, the word of God that we need to eat, Lord. I pray for each person here. We are all today in the hour of decision. This is the moment, Lord, when we need to make our decision. Are we going to allow our lives to be taken into your work? Are we going to allow our lives to be some reflection of the glory of the Lord? Are we going to allow our lives to be so saturated and marinated with the scriptures that when we just speak, the wisdom of God comes out? Lord, we pray that you would, you would uh, convince us, overwhelm us, uh, draw us forward, Lord, by your beauty, so that one day we will all be completely surrendered, yielded, and given over to the work that you have called us to do. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that calls us to be your disciples. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus, who made all of this possible. Amen.